welcome to ICU, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Let's be friends. Welcome to the ICU podcast. This is episode 50. Maybe I don't know enough. I am recording from my podcast room. My husband finished putting together this beautiful desk and I'm sitting at it on a folding chair. This is very exciting because the last few months, as we've been transitioning from a different house, I've been on laundry, I've been on top of kids' toys, recorded on my bed, on the floor, anywhere I can find where I can set up my laptop and my mic. So this is pretty legit and exciting that I'm sitting in a room by myself at a desk and I'm just talking to this mic. It's a big deal, people. It's a huge deal. I think that Rob's a little bit nervous about how much I love it that I'm not going to share the desk with him. But I will share it with you, Rob. I just think that you should probably, at this point, now that we're at episode 50, I feel like a really nice gift to me would be for you to let me put I see you somewhere on the wall. It's not much that I'm asking for. It's really not, right? If you want to be in on that inside joke, you can go back to episode one about our little feud about having I see you on the wall. It's episode 50, so I'm doing something crazy. Okay, maybe not that crazy, but it makes me feel super legit. I'm doing a giveaway. So here's the deal. In celebration of the 50th episode, I'm going to give one listener a free podcast apparel shirt. You'll be able to choose between the white one. It's a real subtle logo just at the top that says, I see you podcast. It's pretty cute. I own both of these, of course, or the black one says compassion and connection save lives. You get to choose between them. You'll send me your size. We'll get it all worked out. The way that you get it is I need you to leave a review and then go to my website and send me a message telling me that you left a review. That's it. That's all you got to do. None of this like go like this three times and tag 12 billion friends and none of that. All you got to do is leave a review and send me a message on my website. You can go to contact and you can just send me a message saying, hey, here's my name and I left a review and then I'll be able to look up your review. If you've already left a review before, then share the podcast on Facebook and then send me a message saying, hey, I've left a review before. I did share the podcast on my social media account. And also, if you share on a social media account, make sure that you write something about it. Don't just share the link because people don't necessarily pay attention. But if you write something about it, then it gets a little more attention. As you can tell, I'm going to tell you my sneaky plan behind this, besides giving out a free shirt, is when we up the reviews on Apple or on other podcast apps, it's more likely that Apple or wherever will have it show up more in people's searches. The ratings and the reviews are kind of the way to get more attention to your podcast. So that is my sneaky way of getting some more reviews. Thanks for doing that. Just a quick recap. To get a free shirt, I need you to leave a review and send me a message on my website that you left a review. Or if you've already left a review, I just need you to share on your social media platform, write something about it and share the link to the podcast. Maybe choose your favorite episode you like, message me and tell me that you did it and you will go in the drawing for the free teacher and I will announce the results next week. Speaking of reviews, I'm going to share a recent review that I loved. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's five stars and it's from Help the 3% entitled Love, love, love this. 
I love this podcast so much. It is a quick listen, which I appreciate. Perfect for a quick car ride or while getting ready in the morning. It makes me laugh and cry and think, and it opens my eyes and expands my view of the world and the people around me. Julie does exactly what she set out to do, connect people and help us to have more compassion for the variety of different life circumstances, struggles, and journeys we all have. Listening helps me feel like I'm not alone and reminds me that everyone I meet is carrying a burden of some sort, needs compassion, and has something they can teach me. Every single time I listen to this podcast, I feel uplifted. It is such a force for good in the world, and I love that it makes me think. Please don't stop, Julie. You are amazing. This podcast is amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying please don't stop. I'm not going to stop even though sometimes when I'm tired, we're all tired with different things we do, even when we love them, but I'm not going to stop. It is so, so special. Okay. I've also been asking people to send me stories of times when they felt seen. And this week's story is so neat. And it was a little bit longer. She gave me permission to cut it down for the podcast. I'm just going to cut it down a little, but I wish I could share the whole thing. It's so special. She says, a wise person once said, a man needs a woman and a woman needs a man. She also needs another woman to whom she can talk. And I love that because <laughs> that's so true. At 10 years old, I was not yet a woman, but I am forever grateful to my neighbor who realized my need for a conversation on the worst day of my life. A week before my 10th birthday, Florence and I made a deep connection that would affect me forever. And earlier she talks about how Florence is her neighbor. That morning, my father was crushed by falling coal in our family coal mine. My mother piled us in the car and we rushed to the local hospital. As I peered at my father's pale white body covered in coal dust, I realized that things were not promising. My mother cried and said, what will we do? I didn't realize, however, that my father had died. I called my best friend to tell her that my dad had been hurt. As soon as she heard my voice, she said, I'm so sorry that your dad died. I was shocked. I sat in a corner, stared, and hoped it was all a dream. When Florence realized that we were home, she rushed to our door to render aid. But unlike all the other people who gathered around my grieving mother to give her comfort, Florence noticed me. She asked for permission to take me to her house. My feet were heavy as I plodded down the road. Each step took an eternity, and I could hardly lift my legs enough to walk. Tears flowed down my cheeks. Florence encircled me in her arms as we journeyed in silence. When we finally reached our destination, we climbed the creaky stairs and sat down together on her couch. I stared at the ground for many minutes. My friend waited for me to speak, just hugging me. Why? Dad was a good man. We need him. Why? I sobbed. Why? Florence held me a little longer as she thought and then replied, Judy, I don't know why your dad was taken today, but I believe that someday you will be able to talk to your father and then you will understand. This sweet lady had told me just what I needed to hear and I was able to open up to her and share my fears, my anger, and all the pent up emotions that had been seething all day. Florence told me that her father also died suddenly when she was young. We were kindred spirits. She gave me suggestions about things I could do to help my widowed mother. We discussed where she thought my dad was and what he was doing. We talked for hours. When I arrived home that night, I had found peace. Florence lost a battle with cancer a few years later and before I fully expressed how important she was to me. However, because of her goodness, Florence Staples will live forever. When I notice anyone of any age who needs comforting, I think of her and try to give them the peace she gave me. I hope that I'm sweet and soothing, just like Florence and her applesauce. That is just such a beautiful, incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing that with the ICU podcast. Feel free to send me more stories. This is such a neat thing that we have going on the podcast. Today, as you know, I have entitled the episode, 
Maybe I don't know enough. And I'll explain a little bit more about that as the episode goes on. There seems to be a climate in the culture where I live, and I can't speak for everyone, but where I live, there seems to be a lot of people out there who don't know what to believe. They don't know what is true. And I've been there and I I find myself there at times. It seems like right and wrong have become a very fluid concept. Truth feels very ambiguous, especially with the phrase like your truth and my truth. And I've kind of touched on what is truth already. In episode 11, I talked to Brad Wilcox, my old professor, and I'm not going to lie. I know that there were some people that were kind of rubbed the wrong way. And then there were other people who loved that interview. And I understand that it can be a sensitive topic. And I think everyone has a right to their feelings. And I haven't been shy about the fact that I am a Christian. I am devoutly Christian. I have had different experiences that have have sustained my faith and my belief in in a Savior and a Jesus Christ. Today, I want to take you on a journey through some of my faith transitioning experiences and why the mantra, maybe I don't know enough, helps me in my daily life. And maybe some of you will be able to relate to having different spiritual or eye-opening moments in your life that have, that have changed things for you and maybe that you've had to wrestle with. So there's a story in the Bible and it's with the prophet Abraham and he has a son named Isaac. Well, as a kid, I saw a picture of Abraham and Isaac depicting a terrible scene, which maybe if you are familiar with the Bible, you know what I'm talking about. But in the picture, you see a boy, a young boy on an altar, and you see Abraham, the man, standing above him with a knife, rock, spear-looking thing. This is how I remember it from when I was a kid, at least, holding it up as if he's going to stab him. So obviously, when I saw this picture as a kid, my reaction was, holy cow, what a terrible person. This guy is evil. Well, then as I grew up, I found out what the real story was about. And the real story, that man didn't want to kill his child, but it was something that he was asked to do as a sacrifice. The Lord tested him to see if he was willing to do anything for him. And an angel soon came and told him, hey, you actually don't have to kill your son. So it didn't even happen, right? It's still kind of a crazy story if you ask me, right? I don't understand all the ways of God and and how all of that went down in real time. But the story changed for me. That picture says something different to me now than it did as a kid because I didn't know enough as a kid to have context for what that picture meant. I've talked also a little bit about how I think it's really difficult to hate something or someone when you're close up to it. It's really easy to make quick judgments when we're far away from something, but when you get close to something and you understand a little more about it, you understand the context, the different elements that are creating the situation, I believe that it's a little bit harder to make such quick snap negative judgments. I believe that truth makes itself known the more you know, not the less, but the more you know. As long as it's from the right sources, from places that believe in bringing truth and light out of darkness, no matter what church it's in, no matter what social setting it's in, I don't tend to put a lot of stock, or I try not to put a lot of stock, in things that have cynicism paired with them. Things that feel like they're attacking souls, human people. It's one thing to make a judgment about certain behavior. It's another to make judgment on someone's worth or them as a person. And when I sense any of that, I just don't generally trust the information that is being presented because I don't believe that that's where I find truth. 
growing up, I would hear things that I didn't like. So I would just avoid it in general. It's kind of like the first time I had a clue. I heard from someone probably at school that Santa Claus wasn't real. I didn't want to believe it. And I was scared of it because I wanted to believe that he was real. So I just chose to not look at that idea for years. But in the back of my mind, I had this kind of growing humming anxiety that maybe Santa wasn't real. Well, the same can be said nowadays. For me specifically, there's a lot of people that have left my religion. For those of you that aren't familiar with the podcast and maybe haven't started from the beginning and maybe haven't heard me say this before, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which has also been known as the Mormon Church in the past, the LDS Church, Latter-day Saints. So maybe you have a little bit of context for that. Well, there's a lot of people, a lot of my peers around in my age group specifically, it feels like, that are leaving the church. Not all of it, but some of it has to do with our church's history. Maybe finding out things they didn't know before or just having some new light shed on on some of the information of our history, which can be messy at sometimes. So there's some painful things that have happened in the history of my church. There's things like the Mountain Meadows Massacre where there were members of my church who made terrible mistakes. There have been things said over the pulpit that have been not inspired by God. And I've heard snippets of some of these things growing up, but at the time, I felt like the right thing to do was to forget I'd ever heard it in the first place because I didn't like how it made me feel. Fast forward, and as an adult in my 20s, when I began struggling with debilitating anxiety and depression, like I've talked about, and if you don't have context for my story with that, maybe go back to episodes 1, 25, and 49. Those would probably be a good place to start. But growing up, I had so many experiences where I felt so incredibly close to God. So during this time when I felt really dark and I I felt zero connection with God at times, I would look through my old journals and I started making a Word file on the computer. I still have it here. It's called the Book of Julie. And I was given this idea by, by my sister a long time ago, so I can't take credit for it. But I would type up these experiences where I felt close to God growing up to remind me that maybe God was real. Even though I didn't feel like he was, maybe he was real because I would read my own words of when I was nine 14, 17, 19, these experiences where I felt his closeness and I couldn't deny it. During these experiences of darkness, however, I really began to question whether things I had believed my whole life were even real or true, especially because living in Utah, there's a lot of members of my church. There was this growing doubt in me like, well, maybe if I'd grown up in somewhere like Japan or someone else with completely different perspectives, I would feel so sure that those things were true and that this this wasn't true. And is that what I'm working with here? And again and again, it seemed like as long as I was patient, I had experience after experience where God made himself known to me. But it's easy to forget. It's really easy to forget. A couple years ago, my dad left the faith that he's taught me. He left this church and he is now an atheist. And of course, that brought up a lot of questions for me as he was very firm, a very firm Christian before that. It brought up a lot of questions where I already had so many questions and so many doubts from dealing with the depression and feeling that disconnect from God. Then when my dad left the church, it just really came to a head for me. I just pictured a zit. Maybe it's because me and Molly just did that episode, episode 48, Skin Deep, and I like pictured it coming to a head and like I brought my hands together as I said that like I was popping a scent. True story, but it came to a head, all the pressure, all the pain, right? Came to a head 
my faith has really continued to change over time. And it's not even that I disbelieve a lot of the things I believe growing up, but I believe them in a completely different way with a pretty different context. Because of these experiences, a statement I now say to myself, a mantra I have for myself is, maybe I don't know enough. And I feel like I got that from somewhere and I can't remember where. So I do not take credit for that. I feel like I probably heard it from somewhere else a long time ago. But maybe I don't know enough. So instead of being afraid of what I might find out about my church's history or about Santa Claus or about any of those things, maybe Santa's not a great example because I want my kids to believe forever. But certainly about history, instead of being afraid of it, I have decided that I want to know everything I can about my own church's history. If I'm going to be a part of a church, I want to know what's going on. I want to know what happened from the right sources, from true sources, from historians and and for people that are learned from the time. Because what I believe is either true or it's not. I'm not interested in just creating a nice lifestyle for myself. I want to find real truth, to find light, to find ultimately God and to find Christ. And I know, and I've read accounts of people who have seen Christ. And I know that that can happen. That's a very literal thing that I've read accounts of. And not just in his own lifetime, but but since his resurrection in our day. Another example when this mantra helps me is with people. So when I'm struggling to connect with someone, a good thing for me to say to myself is, maybe I don't know enough. When I see someone acting rash or obnoxious, I'll catch myself sometimes being really quick to make judgments about them. And I can think, maybe I don't know enough. And it completely changes the way that I see that person because then I start to think about, huh, maybe there's something more going on here. I'm able to feel a little more compassion for them. A perfect example also of this is I used to be terrified of anxiety, depression. Being honest, mental illness is still a hard phrase for me to say. Mental illness, mental illness, mental illness. See, I said it three times, I'm getting better. But because my small sample pool for all of that was was watching a dad growing up that never seemed to find medicine that worked and never seemed to get better and, and never seemed to be consistently happy. And so when people would talk about these struggles before I ever struggled with them, I would avoid it and I would run away. In fact, I remember going on dates with more than one guy who confided in me that they themselves struggled with it. And as weird as this sounds now, because now I talk all the time on a podcast about it, I would have like equal amounts of compassion and terror and run the other way. I was like, nope, definitely not. They would always be so grateful for my compassion and understanding. And all I could think inside was, Um, we're not ever going on another date. And that sounds very prideful, right? But I think you can understand from where I came from and obviously where I am now that a lot of change has happened around that issue. I used to have so much fear around it. But then when I myself struggled and had to accept that PTSD, anxiety, depression, whatever you want to call it, was going to be something that I probably will always be susceptible to, I once again have had to adopt the idea and the mantra of maybe I don't know enough. And it's become a really helpful phrase for me. Once I started learning tools and all the things I could do surrounding mental health to deal with it, I became less afraid. I realized I actually had a lot of control in the situation. And that means a lot to someone who struggled with panic attacks and felt very emotionally out of control. It comes back to that phrase, knowledge is power. I've heard that all the time growing up. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. But I never really gave it a lot of thought 
until recently. And I realized that the idea completely aligns with what I'm trying to get at here, which is maybe I don't know enough and knowledge is power. Let's switch gears to another idea with maybe I don't know enough, and that is Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is a big movement. There are people that have handled it better than others, and I am not on here to say whether that's something you personally should get behind or not. That's not what I'm saying. But when I first heard about it, I honestly thought it was kind of a dumb thing because I was like, well, white lives matter too, and Asian lives matter too, and Indian lives matter too, right? That's kind of the headspace I was in. Well, then I was in Memphis, Tennessee, visiting my sister who lived there at the time. And I walked through the Civil Rights Museum there in Memphis. And I I walked by the hotel where Martin Luther King was shot. Let me tell you what, I came out of that place, which led straight into the gift shop. And I saw all these t-shirts that said Black Lives Matter. And I was like, sign me up. I want a t-shirt. That's how I felt. Like I said, I'm not here to promote Black Lives Matter. And I honestly know so little about it. But (laughs) what I'm saying, when we have these really strong negative reactions towards people or groups, it might do us some good to contemplate, maybe I don't know enough. Maybe there's a reason for this stereotype, for this pain. Because I tell you what, watching live footage of white police officers beating down women and children who are walking in the street it changes your perspective a little bit. And it makes me a little less quick to feel like what they are doing is stupid. And it helps me to understand a little bit, maybe the pain that they are coming from. And if they are feeling some inequality, where that might come from, it doesn't mean I have to agree with everything that's been done, but it makes me see them as being a little more human and not just some group out there that I think is crazy. I don't feel that way anymore. In episode five, It's interesting. It's one of my beginning episodes. It's one that I've gotten the most feedback about. It's one of the lower listens because the earlier episodes when the podcast audience wasn't as big, obviously the listens aren't as high. So says my husband. I have no clue what's going on, but he's he's good to help me understand this. Episode five actually is one that I have heard a lot of feedback from, from the people who did listen. If you have time and want to and haven't, maybe go check out episode five. I don't know. Maybe you'll find it helpful. I talk about seeing people in black and white, good or bad, weak or strong, and how we really isolate ourselves and do ourselves a disservice. We isolate ourselves from each other. And it's an easier life in some ways. It's so much easier. I talk about the example of of when I was, before I was a mom, hearing about people who would shake their babies when they were upset and how it was so easy for me to think people who shake their babies are bad. They're on that side of the room and I'm good over here. I would never do that. And I haven't shaken one of my babies Nobody needs to call the cops, okay? But I understood a little bit more how someone could get there because it's a different story when you have a newborn baby and you are sleep deprived night after night after night and you have a screaming baby and you feel like you'd do anything to just get a little sleep. I can see how people get frustrated. There were times when I would just have to set my baby down in the crib and walk out because I was feeling anger. And I didn't like feeling that way while I was holding this infant who I knew was completely innocent. I knew that logically, but the physical reaction felt real. Maybe it's not so black and white. Maybe people aren't so black and white, pun intended. Maybe it's a little more complex and maybe there are a lot more gray areas than we think. And maybe we don't know enough. And when we know more, we will always find the truth. That's what I have to believe for myself in my own faith journeys. I can't belong to a church 
where I feel like I can't learn more. I love belonging to a church where there is ongoing resources for me to find out more. I am not all about secrets. I do not like things that are secret. It makes me feel very afraid and very uncomfortable. Some of the hardest things for me about growing up with mental illness in the home was that it wasn't talked about outside our home. It was in a generation where we didn't share these things with our teachers or with our friends. It felt like a very shameful thing, at least from my perspective and from a lot of people that I've talked to that grew up around mental illness in that generation. That created a lot of of pain for me, not being able to process those feelings. I was feeling those feelings of fear and disappointment and loneliness. Maybe I don't know enough and maybe it's okay. I love the Brene Brown quote that says, you can choose courage or you can choose comfort. You cannot have both. And I love that. Even though I do feel like I live a a comfortable life in some ways, I do feel like I live a pretty courageous life. And that has meant that parts of my life are no longer comfortable. There are people that disagree with me even doing this podcast. There are hard conversations I've had to have. There are parts of my life that aren't as comfortable now, but I do feel a great amount of courage and I feel a lot of light and energy in doing some of these harder things that I've had to do to make a better life for myself. And as someone that loves to control things around me, you know, I love me a good clean house and things organized and my planner perfectly outlined. I'm surprised at how I feel like I'm most at peace with my life and in my life as I adopt this statement that acknowledges that there is so much I don't understand and so much I have to learn. Maybe I don't know enough. And that's okay. It's okay. And it's exciting because it means that truth is continuing to unfold and there's more truth that I'm going to learn the more I know the more I understand because I do believe that knowledge is power and that it will set me free, that it will be a glorious thing to better understand real lasting truth because in the end, there will be truth. For a quick example, there are people that believe that there's life after death and there are people that believe that there's not and there are good people on both sides. We're all just people. But in the end, there will be life after death or there won't. This idea of my truth or your truth, I understand why it's come to be. And I don't think that people always mean it as a negative thing, but there has got to be some truth in the end. There will be things that are just fact. Most of us are just trying to find what that is. People who leave my religion, who are in completely different religions, people who don't live a religion at all and they they find their peace in nature and to them that is church. All of us, I think, want to feel light and want to feel joy and want to feel peace. And I believe that for all of us, the more we understand, not the less, the more we find out, the closer and closer we will get to truth as long as it is from sources that are trying to enlighten, to inspire, to share truth, not sources that are trying to tear down people. I'm going to finish up here, but don't forget episode 50. We are doing a free giveaway. Please rate and review the podcast and just shoot me a message via my website that you did it and what your username is. And then I will do a drawing next week and I will share the results of whoever the winner is. And I am mailing you a free ICU podcast t-shirt. Thanks for being here, guys. My name is Julie Lee and I see you. Do you know a group of people that needs to hear the message that compassion and connection save lives, that it saved my life? 
contact me at www.icupodcast.com. Seeing each other with compassion and connection not only saves lives, but it can completely transform a work environment, a school environment, and a religious environment. I am willing to talk to anybody that will listen because I'm right about this.